for you to be turning with me in your Bibles over to Luke, the fifth chapter, Luke chapter 5. If you weren't here last uh, Sunday, you missed a very inspirational sermon. Our brother Maurice Hooks was here, uh, and they were taking care of some things before they make their permanent move uh, the middle of the month, and he preached a sermon on Elisha uh, talking about being on the cutting edge. And I encourage you to go online and look at that. It'll be posted preferably today. Uh, I was looking for it myself, but uh, it will come up, and, and so you'll get to hear that. And I think for all of our men, it's very important because we're going to use that in our midweek service to talk about how we need to get back on the cutting edge for the Lord. So uh, I encourage you to, 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 to listen to the sermon. It will be both inspirational and a little convicting. I know I got convicted by it, but it was, uh, it was good for my spirit. Uh, I wanted to today to help us with some things that I believe will aid us in getting back on the cutting edge. And we can read a story here in Luke chapter 5, a story that a lot of us are familiar with. But I think there's some, some very important points to be drawn from this episode of Jesus and his first disciples. And uh, here in, in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. In other words, they'd given up. The day was over, and they were washing their nets saying, we, we didn't catch anything, so they're getting ready to go home. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all day or all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And this is another miracle in the life of Jesus that had an astounding impact on Peter and his companions. Because as I mentioned earlier, they had spent the night fishing and had come up empty and had decided this is just not our day. And then Jesus, a carpenter, gets in Peter's boat, preaches a sermon, tells Peter to put out in the deep water. And Peter's like, okay, if you think this will work, I'm willing to give it a try. And 
It all depends on what his attitude was. I don't think he was cynical, but I do think he was a little bit incredulous here. And he decided to go ahead and do it. And they caught such a large uh, number of fish that both boats began to sink. And that's how God works. When God does it, he does it right. He does it overflowing into our laps. Um, And so I just want to help us today because after this encounter, with Jesus. Peter, James, John, their lives are never the same. Things are changed forever in their lives after this encounter with Jesus. I don't even know if they got to take advantage of the great catch that they had because Jesus goes on and tells them that they need to follow him Because from now on, they're going to do something even greater, and that's lead men to God and lead men to salvation. And so my encouragement to us as a church, especially as we get ready for the second half of the year, is that it's time for us, as Jesus commanded Peter, to put out into deep water. To put out into deep water. To let our nets down as we trust in God so that he can work in our lives to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. I think too many believers are in the shallow end of the pool when the Lord wants us to get in the deep end of the pool. The end of the pool that when when you stick your toes down, you can't touch the bottom. In other words, you have to be willing to rely on God and you've got to be willing to let God take care of you because on your own, you cannot do it. You can't learn to swim holding on to the edge of the pool. And eventually you've got to take those little kitty floats off and get into the deep end of things so that God can do things in your life, perform in your life. And that's what God wants to do, doesn't he? He wants to work through us to give glory to his holy name and for us to make a difference in this world. And that's why we're here this morning. We're here because we want God to speak to us, right? We want God to reveal his will to us, to help us to see how we can be better Christians, to call us higher in our walk with him, and to lead us by faith into the promised land. So my first point is simply this. We need to put out into the deep waters of trust. We need to put out into the deep waters of trust. You know, it still amazes me that some 15 years later, after challenges we went through in the early 2000s, that there's so many people that still struggle with trust. I just came from a meeting with all the leaders of, of the New York Church and Ministry in New Jersey and uh, upstate as well as all the churches throughout New England, Connecticut, uh, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, all those leaders, Boston, all of us came together, and we were together for two days uh, considering what is the the best way to move forward uh, for our family of churches. We called it ICOC 3.0, just looking at ways that we could uh, build better churches. It is our present plan Working Is it the way we want to continue? 
And if not, what are things that we need to do better as a family of churches? And uh, we spend a lot of hours just discussing these things and asking questions and throwing things around. And yet one of the things that continued to come up was trust. Have I regained my trust in leadership? Do I believe in the people that are going to lead the way, whoever they may be? And let's face it, a lot of us still struggle with it too. It's like even as we think about missions, it's like, well, you know, I saw you put up all those churches and in, in 50 different ministries that we're going to be helping, but can I trust that that's really what's going to happen? And I think it's time for us not so much to put our trust in men, but to put our trust in God. And, and we've got to decide, look, I'm going to stop wading in the shallow waters, but step out into the deep waters of trust and believe that God is in control and that God will expose and deal with anything not according to his will, but my trust is in the Lord because it's his kingdom, it's his church, these are his people, and if somebody makes a mistake or does something wrong, I trust in God. Because I tell you what, if you keep your eyes on people, you will falter. Because men always mess up. And women always mess up. And look at Peter. You know, he, he just decides, look, you know, Master, we tried it our way. We did the best we could do. Your way really doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to try it. I've never seen people catch fish like this ever before. But because you say so, I'm going to give it a try. You know, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 55, verse 8, I'll just throw this in. Isaiah 55, verse 8, the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. He doesn't think about things the way that we think. He doesn't do things the way that we do things. And so we've got to put our trust in him. And my, my question to you today is, what, where is your trust level? Where is your faith level? Are you willing to give it all to God? To trust 100% in him without reservation? To cast all your faith, all your trust, all your hope, in the Lord, are you still holding on to the side of the pool? Saying, you know what? I'm not really ready to let go. And that's what we've got to do if we're going to build a great church to God's glory. And if we're going to grow even personally, you've got to let go and put your trust in God and look to Him. And God even allows us to face obstacles and struggle and challenge and difficulty because it reveals where our trust really is, where our hope is. Let me give you some scriptures on trust just to encourage you. Proverbs 3, and we've even preached on this scripture before. Pro Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, all, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. 
fear the Lord and shun evil. The proverb writer says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. God knows if we're holding out on him, even a little bit. Proverbs 9, I mean Psalm 9, verse 10. Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God never disappoints. He's never been wrong. He's never made a mistake. He's never hurt us. He's never led us astray. He's always there. And his challenge is, are you going to trust in me, the omnipotent, holy, perfect God who never disappoints? Why hold out? Psalm 37. This is one of my wife's favorite scriptures. And we had it read at our wedding. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. But you got to stand firm and you got to stick around long enough to see that scripture become a reality in your life. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Trust in him. Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. You've got to trust in him. You've got to go to him in your times of doubt, in your times of struggle. And finally in Psalm, I mean, Psalm 125, verse 1, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. You know, Peter was rewarded with a tremendous catch. God blessed his willingness to let down those nets. It would not have happened if he had questioned the Lord, if he resisted the Lord, if he said to Jesus, oh, I don't know about that. I don't think this is a good time. I mean, what do you know about fishing? wouldn't have happened. He still have an empty boat. But he decided to trust. And, and I want to challenge you this morning. Get back in the pool. Get back in. Will you trust God with your life? Will you trust Him? Will you trust God's singles with your dating? Will you do it His way and not do it your way? Will you wait on Him? Because I tell you what, I've seen a lot of people make tragic mistakes because they took matters into their own hands and would not wait on the Lord and trust on the Lord. I'd rather have Jesus than end up with some fool really would. Will you trust God with your career? Will you trust God with your future, with where God wants you to land? Are you going to take matters in your own hands and take a job in Kadamazoo somewhere where there is no church and no disciples? But let me tell you, wherever you go, there's a devil. If, there may not be a church, but the devil will be there, and he will be waiting for you. And he will be waiting to have fellowship with you. You trust in the Lord. Don't take a job that's going to take you away from the kingdom. Don't take a job that's going to take you out of coming to church. And the people that need to hear this aren't even here this morning. But you need to go back and tell them, what have you done? Is it worth it 
What does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? You need to be here so you can grow in the Lord. You can hear Jesus being preached. Put your trust in him. He'll deliver you. He'll give you a job. May not, may not be the job you want, but he'll give you one that you need that'll help you continue to be faithful. Will you trust God with your finances? Man, we got missions coming up. If you have been blessed more, are you giving less? At this stage in my life, I've been blessed more than I've ever been blessed. And this special contribution, we will give the largest special contribution we've ever given in our lives. Even more than we did in the, back in the days when we had crazy multiples. You know, we're, we're, we're giving more this time than we've ever given. You know why? We've been blessed more than we've ever been blessed. And I trust in God. And it really, I, I just know that God's going to use it to save souls. You know, I was having a conversation with some brothers, and they're like, well, I think we need more of this, and I think we need more of this to help people to give more and, and to help people to see. I'm not into trying to manipulate anybody to give anything. I... Let me tell you what. I know that there's a lost world. There are people going to hell all over the world. And there are more people going to hell now than ever before. And so I want to give more than I've ever given before. So hopefully we can save more people than we've ever saved before. My trust is in the Lord. I'm giving my money to God. I wish I could write on the check, Jehovah God. But it wouldn't get cast. i got to put New York City Church Christ on there. But it's the Lord's church, and that's what I'm giving it to. And I have no questions. I have no reservations because my trust is in the Lord. I've been blessed more, so I'm going to give more. I challenge you with the same, to give according to how you've been blessed because your trust is in the Lord. Second point, we need to put out into the deep waters of humility. When Peter realized how powerful Jesus was, he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. He got it. He, he understood something miraculous is going on here. That this man, he is the Lord God. He is the creator of the universe. He he controls the elements. And later on, he would see this guy could walk on water. He could raise the dead. He could wither a fig tree. He could do amazing things. He could feed 5,000 people from uh, a McDonald's Happy Meal. This is how powerful Jesus was. And Peter was humbled by the power of Jesus. He did not think it was even worthy to be present with Jesus. Who am I to even be in the boat with this man? And let me tell you, the, the key to longevity in the kingdom is to have humility before God. And your humility before God is going to be seen in your humility before men. Are you growing in humility? Is your, humi your level of humility, is it growing deeper? 
Because the more you read your Bible, the more you understand who God is, and the more you see the sinner that you are, and that you don't deserve salvation, and that you don't deserve God to hear your prayers, and that you don't deserve Him having protected you and watched over you all your years, who are you? The more you understand it, the more humbled you are. Lord God, who am I that you bless me with such a wonderful life, with such a great marriage, with such great children that you've allowed me to live today? The more you understand it, the more humble you are. There's no room for pride in us. Who are we? What have we done? All that we have is from the Lord. Every good thing that we have is because of Jesus and Him alone. Oh, I'm humbled before Him. When you're growing in your understanding of God, you grow in humility. That's why we challenge you. Get in the Bible every day. Understand who God is. Grow in your knowledge of Him. Get connected to Him. It'll blow your mind. You know, in, in, in 1 Timothy, Peter, I mean Paul rather, talks about his conversion. He talks about how thankful he is that God saved him. And in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, here again, it's not, I didn't give them the scripture, but it's on my heart, so I'm going to share it with you. He says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord has given me strength. That he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love, the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then he went on and says, here's a trustworthy saying, and Peter said the same thing here. That deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am what? The worst. That's, I mean, you know, the more you see the glory and the greatness of God, the more you realize, oh my goodness. Now, there are a few of us who think, man, I'm pretty awesome as a Christian. The kingdom is blessed to have me. You missed the mark. This is the Apostle Paul who's saying, but for that very reason I was shown mercy, and shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might show his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe and receive on him and receive eternal life. Not to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I am humbled that the king, eternal, immortal, the invisible God would even want to know me. Would even know my name. Would even know the number of hairs ever decreasing. Number of hairs on my head. I am humble. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 4 verse 2, says be what? Complete. What kind of humility does it say? Be completely humble. Complete. How complete is your humility? Says so Sam, I'm 50% hum humble. 70%. 80%. The Bible says be completely humble. Completely. 
Some of us, we're just we're even hard to approach. Nobody can even talk to us. And the evidence of your humility is are you willing to confess your sin? That's why Peter, he confessed, Lord, get away from me. I'm, I'm a sinful man. The Bible tells us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And I know I'm humble when I'm willing to, to say, I, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I fell. God, have mercy. Forgive me. Sinful man. You know, we just went through the membership list with the Bible. So I want all y'all to know. We met a couple of Sundays ago and met with the, the, the mission group leaders. I'm still stuck on Bible talk leaders because I like Bible talks. But anyway, and, and we, went, we went through the, the, the whole membership, everybody's name, George Boyce, and we, we, is, he, is he doing all right? And people, some people was like, as long as you got Brenda, we think he'll make it. We think as long as you got, so we went, we went, we went through all y'all's names, some, everybody. And uh, there were some names on the list that should not have been on the list. And we had to take them off the list. And, you know, I, I just want you to know, I struggle with that. Because it really breaks my heart when someone's gone through all these studies in all these weeks. And because we, we just, we don't do the pray Jesus until your heart thing. We don't, we don't do the, hey, just let's say the prayer and everybody, you know, who got saved today. And we don't take a water hose and sprinkle everybody to be baptized or whatever. We don't do that. Man, we get in there with people. And we get into their lives and we want to know what, what sins they need to overcome. Not to spread their business, but, but we want to know how Satan's going to come after you, after you become a Christian. And there's no shortcuts. And we go through all that. And for some people, it takes weeks. Some people, it takes years. And then after all that, you're going to leave God after all that. You're just going to walk away? Now, I know it breaks God's heart a thousand times more than it breaks my heart. But then I ask myself, why? Why would someone walk away from heaven and go back through the doors of hell? Why? Why would you leave the feast and go, as the scriptures say, and feed on vomit. Why? And the only thing I can think of, other than just the love for sin, is you've lost your humility. You've lost it. You've lost your understanding of where you are before the presence of God. I'm humbled to be a Christian. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. It's the greatest honor in my life to be known as a son of God. And if I ever lose that, if I ever lose the specialness of that and, 
and the, and the blessing of that and the treasure of that, yes, I will walk away. It's just like me being married to this wonderful woman here on the front row for 35 years, 36 years coming up in August. 36. Why, why would I leave her when there's no greater woman to be found? Why would I do that? Why would, say, well, Sam, maybe you want a younger woman. A younger woman? I can't even keep up with the older woman I got. Why? Why? I'm going to go out there and try to have a relationship with some woman that don't even know the music I know. Right? Don't understand the medicine I take. I mean, this is the one. I'm not leaving her for something else, and I'm not leaving God for something else. I'm humble to be Cynthia's husband. I don't deserve it. It's an honor to walk beside her in that nice yellow jacket she got on, make, making me look good. She make me look good. I don't even have eyes for another woman because I think, you know, that woman probably crazy. Because y'all, see, y'all get caught up in the, what they look on the outside. Well, the devil looked pretty. I'm sure Delilah was pretty. And you know Bathsheba, she had it going on. Jezebel was probably pretty too. But I'm going to love the one I'm with. Because it humbles me. It humbles me. I'm humbled. And I want my humility to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Finally, we need to put out into the deep waters of the mission. He tells them, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch what? You catch what, church? Men and women, right? And brothers, we need to do the catching the men. And the sisters, you need to do the catching the women. Do I need to repeat myself? You're not here to catch women if you're a man. All right? And you're not here to catch a man if you're a woman. You catch them, we'll clean them. Wash them up. And then give them back to you. <laughs> okay? But we need to get back into the deep waters of the mission. A lot of us, we've gotten out of the pool when it comes to, to the mission. A lot of us, we used to be in the waters of, of baptism all the time. We've gotten out of it. One of the things that convicted me most about Maurice's sermon was getting back on the edge evangelistically. And I sat there and I went, man, that's me. Busy, but not really involved in doing the things that I need to be doing. Studying the Bible with people, sharing my faith. Can anybody relate to me? And, and, and I, I was like, that's just not right, man. I need to, I need to repent. Get back into mission. Because what did, what is Jesus telling them? He says, from now on, 
you're going to have a new purpose in life. And I know a lot of us, we go back, well, Sam, your purpose is not the same as your mission, whatever. I think it's all tied together that our purpose in life is to glorify God. But one of the ways you glorify God is helping other people to be saved. At least giving them an opportunity to be saved. We just see people differently now that we're in the kingdom. We're we're in the people business. We're in the soul-saving business. And you know what? It, it It took some work for them to get there. They had to work on some things and learn some things and learn compassion and, and learn how to care. And I think we need to relearn some of these things that, that look, you know, we're, we're supposed to be about the business of catching men and women for the Lord. And it's time to get back in the pool, right? Start fishing again. Turn to Luke chapter 9. I understand Luke 9. I understand it. I can relate to this. In Luke 9, verse 10, it says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. That's just the heart of Jesus. I mean, he's tired, he's weary, but whenever the crowds came, he, come on. Whenever the little children came, come on. Even people that were Gentiles, you know, Lord, we'll take the crumbs. Okay, I'll give you the crumbs. You know, even the, the centurion, Lord, I don't even deserve to be in your presence. Just say the word. Okay, I'll say the word. That's Jesus. Never says no. And then Luke 9, verse 12 says, late in the afternoon, the 12, is it capitalized in your Bible? The 12. See, these are the leaders. Came to him and said, can you believe they said this? Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. In other words, they said, we're tired of being bothered. Now, I know none of y'all feel that, but I'm just going to go there for a minute just in case. They're just like, we don't want to be around these people no more. Send them home, man. It's enough. Come on, dude. We're in a remote place. It's time to vacation. (laughs) To use some of the miracles and double up on some hot dogs here and take care of us. Send these people away, Lord. That's what they told them. Send them away. They were just struggling. We, we, don't, we, just, we just want to go home, chill out, take the phone off, the hook, the ringer, cut the ring off, you know, turn the phone off, put the shades down, Flip the pillow up and live life to the full. Don't want to be bothered with no people. Some of us, we've done a good job that all, the whole year. I ain't, I'm not bothering anybody and nobody's bothering me. And, and the unfortunate thing is sometimes this is the way we are with the lost. It's like, I don't want to be bothered with them people, man. Why? I don't want to be bothered. I'm saved. I'm trying to do the best I can. I don't want anybody interrupting my nice little life. 
And you know what you call that? And I'm guilty of it. Selfishness. Just selfish. And we've gotten away from the mission. We've gotten out of the mission. And you know what happens? The days go by. The weeks go by. The months go by. And someone asks you, when's the last time you sat down with a non-Christian to share with them about Jesus? And you go, that's a good question. Wow. It's June. What about January? What about February? What about March? What's after March? Okay, what about April? May? And now we're in June. And all I'm saying is, let's get back in the pool. What does Jesus say in Luke 9, verse 13? What did Jesus tell them? What did he say? What did he say? Say it with me. You give them something to eat. So what is Jesus saying to us with the lost world that needs the bread of life, that needs the living water? What is he saying to us? You give them something. Tell your neighbor. You give them something to eat. Some of you only want to say it. He said the preacher, the preacher needs to feed these people. Brothers and sisters, the world is starving. It is dying. Anybody who does not know God, I don't care if they drive a Mercedes or a BMW or a Porsche. I don't care what, where they live. I don't care how nice the clothes they got. I don't care if they don't have Jesus, they don't have life. If they don't have Jesus, they don't have a real purpose for living. Jesus is the best thing you can have. And if you got Jesus, don't keep him to yourself. Am I right? And all these people, and we're going to walk out of here in a few minutes, and we're going to run into people, and we're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to reach out? Am I going to, as, as in the, the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm going to walk on the other side. What are we going to do? Are we going to trust this with Sam? You know, I don't know if they're going to respond. You know what I think about? I am here because someone dared to care. I am here. Because someone who did not know me had never met me before in their life extended an invitation for me. The guy who invited me, I never had seen him before in my life. But boy, I'm glad he did. And, and, and for you kingdom kids, says, well, I was raised in the kingdom. I've always known the kingdom. Well, you know what? What a blessing. Because my daddy never prayed with me, never opened the scripture, never took me to church. What a, it's just some of us like, well, I'm forced to go. I wish someone had forced me a little bit more to, to avoid all the st stuff that I fell into even before I became a Christian. It's an honor to be a kingdom kid. Right? 
I mean, I wish, I, I wish I'd been a kingdom kid. Some of you kingdom kids, no, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. To have parents who love you enough to bring you to a safe place to try to get you to heaven. And there are kids out there who look at your life and go, my parents have never tried to influence me spiritually. Brothers and sisters, let's get back in the mission. Have you gotten your feet late, wet lately in the waters of evangelism? Let's start putting out in the deep water. I challenge you this week. Step outside your comfort zone. Get your little church invitation. If you don't have one, make one. Just make up one. We got a few of them around here. And this week I challenge you, when the Spirit, and it's going to happen, when the Spirit of God says, reach out. It's, it's going to happen. And you're going to, you know what happens. You're going to find yourself in the laundry room, on the bus, on the train, you know, maybe right when you walk out the door. You know, we, we were having Devo the other day, Friday night with the campus. Cynthia got up. I said, where are you going? said, I see this person out here. I'm going to go out and invite him. I think that was the Spirit of God just telling her, just, I said, now you're going to do that? Yeah, I'm going to do it now because I need to do it now. Because if you don't do it now, you'll forget and you won't do it later. The Spirit of God is going to urge you. It's going to prompt you. It's going to say, go, come on, talk, say something. Don't quench it. Don't resist it. Just take your little scared, shy self over there and go, excuse me, I'm sorry, but uh, I need to invite you to something awesome. My preacher, Sam Powell, is an awesome guy, and I, I want you to come hear him proclaim the Word of God. I don't know you, but here, You won't die. They, won't, they probably won't turn around and shoot you or kill you. Give it a try. But let's put out in the deep waters and watch and see if God won't give us a catch. And to Him be the glory.